When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you have so much handsome, occasionally power surges, boom, they happen. And when you got me hot, as I'm running a little hot today, that's what happens. A little power surge. A number of you said you were setting your router. Don't do that. It was in Nashville. Let me continue. Uh, Udoka, coach, Celtics, stupid. See, I would bring in the coach. I would bring in the woman and say, what do we got here? Well, you know, we kind of like each other. We started stupid. Well, you know, it's against code, but this is consensual. Yes. Coerted? No. Why do I care who's stupid? Now, I understand that people use their position, Harvey Weinstein style, to coerce. And I want to know about it, but they're Each individual situation in my world should be treated as its own individual situation. Do you want it? Of course not. But I got to tell you, these are grown adults. Not everything is awful. Not everything is nefarious. Now, if the lady or the guy deems this to be inappropriate themselves, deems it to be coerced, then you got a problem. But I don't know. We want to regulate everything because of the hint of impropriety. Hint of impropriety in my ass. Maybe these two are in love. I don't know. Maybe they just like to have the sex. I don't know. But you know what's going to happen. There's going to be a big show and blah, 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 blah. All right. I'm Robert Sarver. I don't give a damn what LeBron James tweets. I don't give a damn what Draymond Green says. I don't give a damn. There is not a chance in holy hell that I am selling this team. I'll sell the Phoenix Mercury. I care less about them, but I'm not selling the Suns. Because when you sell, what happens is you become a pariah forever. You don't ever have the chance to make good in the public opinion. I don't know whether Donald Sterling has done anything to correct his image, and I don't know that he feels he needs to. I have no idea on this. I know the court of public opinion is out there and it is very strong. But if I am Sarver, there is zero, zero chance, zero that I'm selling. I'm not doing it. I won't do it. No chance I'm doing it. I tell, hey, good, Draymond Green, I'll be around here a hell of a lot longer than you'll be. Adios. Now, In doing that, you're going to risk a few things. One of the things you're going to risk is sponsors pulling out. We've already seen PayPal do that. One of the things you're going to risk is players boycotting. But this is where you have to be smart enough. And I assume as a billionaire, you have some intelligence to you, some people skills, some ability to persuade. I assume so. Could be wrong. But the fact of the matter is, now you have to use that ability. You've got to sit people down, explain that you were wrong, ask for forgiveness, and away you go. 
But when you sell, you just become a punchline. You become a guy like Sterling that people can just go to because let's be honest, most people, particularly media folks, are lazy. I lived this back in 2008. Calvin Sampson, we had a scandal. Middle of the season, we're getting ready to play Wisconsin. Had all the coaches at his house the night before. He asked them all to leave except for me, he, his wife, myself. Asked me what should they do. I said, you don't resign. I said, if you resign, then you just do exactly what I just said. You just become a guy that people can make fun of. You force their hand. Now, if you've ultimately got to resign, then you got to resign, but get a settlement. He got $750,000 out of it. But if I'm this Sarver guy, the last people in the world I'm listening to are LeBron James or any kind of heat. Now, look, if it's going to cost you money, great. If it's a distraction, let's be honest. Let, let, let's be totally honest here about the world of, quote, distraction. A distraction lasts, what, two weeks? In this case, it'd be two weeks. I've had hit pieces ran on me. They last a day, and you're like, yeah, okay. This is two weeks. This will be two weeks. And then, you know, it may pop up here and there, but so what? Who cares? You think NBA players are going to give back $20 million a year, whatever the heck it is they're making to take a stand? Please, stop it. It's like anything else. Call people's bluff. It's called the Martha fin- Martha's Vineyard defense. Call their bluff. See what happens. Please. If I'm Sarver and I care about my legacy, and look, I really don't care about legacy. I'll be dead. What do people say about me? Yay, Rod, go fight, win. I'm Sarver. There's not a chance in holy heck that I am selling and letting the mouths rain on top of my dead carcass. No chance. Zero. Zip. None. Hey, look, this is getting bad. This is getting bad, and I don't like it. Uh, We've got a president, or whatever the hell you call him, over in uh, Russia that is out of his mind. And this isn't going to be good. This isn't going to be good at all. Our man Putin, he's not really our man, but Putin is talking about nuclear weapons. Putin is activating troops. This isn't good. I'm going to give you this. Russian President Vladimir Putin delivered a rare address to his nation, putting the West on nuclear notice and mobilizing hundreds of thousands of additional troops for his war uh, in Ukraine. Now, According to the media, Putin has had embarrassing losses in the Ukraine. All right, now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. I mean, I don't listen to these clowns. These clowns tell me things, and I go, all right. But Putin is basically all in. Effective yesterday, he is mobilizing uh, 300,000 reservists. It's not his full mobilization. But man, oh man. Now, the interesting thing is going to be this. Are the people of Russia going to stand for this? I don't know. I honestly don't know. When Let's talk about nuclear war. When the territorial integrity of our country is threatened, we, of course, will use all the means at our disposal to protect Russia and our people. This is not a bluff, he said. And those who try to blackmail us with nuclear weapons should know that the weather vane can turn and point towards them. Woo, man. He also said the West, basically us, 
have crossed every line. In its aggressive anti-Russia policy, the West has crossed every line. We constantly hear threats against our country and our people. The purpose of the West is to weaken, divide, and ultimately destroy our country. They are already saying that in 91, they were able to break up the Soviet Union, and now the time has come for Russia itself that it should disintegrate, and they have been planning it for a long time. Mm. Well, I'm not surprised, and neither are you. You don't go into a war with a neighbor with the idea of half-blanking it. You know, I mean, I talk to veterans all the time. I do. I walk around the streets of Indy, and I do. And they're always like, man, the restrictions on our veterans, our warriors in battle are really somewhat, somewhat choking. Well, I don't think, and I, don't, I would imagine you all don't either, that Vladimir Putin puts any restrictions on his soldiers uh, we've already seen atrocious war crimes, and you're going to see more. Putin is in it to win it. And this is not going to get better. This is going to get scary. I believe it already is. I'm not one of those guys, you know, that runs around, oh, the end is near the end. I'm actually incredibly optimistic. But when I saw this yesterday, I thought to myself, this ain't great. This ain't great. And we need leadership, and we don't really have it right now in our country. We need tough, strong leadership, and we don't really have it right now in our country. And I'll show you a little bit of that later on in the show. Uh, Joe Burrow, let's go to something lighter. Joe Burrow has deleted all of his social media. And I got to tell you, good for Joe Burrow. Look, I have to be on social media. Social media drives a number of things, including this show. Social media drives my bike program. Social media drives a lot of what we do. I make money off of social media. All right, I do. So the truth of the matter is, Joe Burrow, though, I can't imagine. I mean, I cannot even imagine trying, trying, trying. Oh, man, can you imagine trying to be a quarterback of an NFL team, lead your team to the Super Bowl again and deal with social media? I can't. So in my world, good for Joe Burrow, man. Joe Burrow said, stick it, screw it. I ain't doing it. I don't want to do it. I won't do it. Good for him. <laughs> Seriously, good for him. I mean, if I'm you and, and you are Joe Burrow and my team stinks and you got to get up there and do the old Aaron Rodgers, which he did yesterday. Hey, calm down. We're good. We answered these questions last year. Look at how it's going. Okay, fine. But I'm not dealing with social media either. I, you know what I'm dealing with? The film room, the weight room, the practice field, the game. That's it. Hell, I wouldn't even get married if I were Joe Burrow until I were like 30. But I'm the guy that didn't have kids during the season. I'm the guy that didn't have kids during camp season. I'm the guy that told my wife, if you want to have kids, you got to have them in May and June. Early June. I'm sorry, really early June. Like June 2nd when my daughter was born or May 10th when my son was born. Or we could have them in August. Well, Dan, kids are a blessing. Yes, I know they are, and I'm very lucky to have two of the greatest. But, hey, we needed the money from camp, and recruiting was in July. Dedicated to my job, right or wrong. So if I'm an NFL quarterback, last thing I want to do is listen to Slap Blank Johnny tell me how bad I am, or Joey Bag of Donuts, or Susie Rottencrotch tell me how awful I am. Yeah, I don't need it. Don't need it. Don't want it. Uh, don't even want to think about it. Speaking of don't even want to think about it, 
Uh, what in the hell are we doing? What are we doing in Vanderbilt? What are we doing, Vandy? Vanderbilt has a child gender transition program. Well, instead of me talking about it, let's hear from Vanderbilt's child gender transition, child gender transition program. Let's hear from them. We can provide gender affirming hormones on an individual who is on a pubertal blocker, depending on whatever kind of blocker they've chosen or we have discussed with them, or they can present to us at a later stage of puberty and then we provide the gender affirming hormones. Previously, the Endocrine Society recommended to start these at age 16, but we all know that would be delayed puberty, right? Not 16 year olds don't start puberty. So more recently, they did update that to say as early as 14 for compelling reasons. So we have some individuals who have started gender affirming hormones at 13 or 14 to be more like their peers. Again, fertility preservation and consent are very important to discuss prior to any initiation of these. All right. Let's hear why they have this clinic. August of 20, I'm sorry, October of 2016, sorry, a couple of years ago, put down some costs of how much money we think each patient would bring in. And this is only including top surgery. This isn't including any bottom surgery. And um, it's a lot of money. These surgeries make a lot of money. Uh, so female to male chest reconstruction, can bring in $40,000. A patient just on routine hormone treatment, who I'm only seeing a few times a year, can bring in several thousand dollars because that requires a lot of visits and labs. It actually makes money for the hospital. Now these I got from the internet, um, but it's from uh, the Philadelphia Center for Transgender Surgery, which has um, does a lot of um, surgery for patients. And I just want to give you an idea of how much these bottom surgeries are making. And this is, I think this has to be an underestimate. Uh, this is for a vaginoplasty. They're saying, they're quoting roughly around $20,000 for a vaginoplasty, but that doesn't include your hospital stay, that doesn't include your post-op visits, that doesn't include um, your anesthesia, your OR. So I would think that this has to be a gross underestimate. I think that's just like the surgeon's uh, piece of it, which anybody who's ever been in a hospital knows that that's like 10%. Uh, and then the female to male bottom surgeries, these are huge money makers. Again, I think this has to be an underestimate that they're quoting around $20,000 for a phalloplasty. There's been different things that I've read that said it could be up to $100,000. Um, Dr. Winokur, who's our surgeon, says that there's entire clinics where the entire clinic is supported just by their phalloplasties. And that is like a fraction of the surgeries that they're doing. These surgeries are labor intensive. They require a lot of follow-ups. They require a lot of OR time, and they make money. They make money for the hospital. Money. These people are evil. Like, the evil. And when I say evil, I mean evil. Like, why is it? Why are we so quick? Why? To involve our children in these things. Why? Like, kid can't buy a cigarette, can't buy a beer, can't drive a car. Honest to God, can't have sex. And yet, we can't wait to change their sex. We can't wait because of money. It is evil. It is horrific. 
Now, Matt Walsh says on his blog that Tennessee is going to be the first state to make these type of things uh, illegal. And he's saying, Matt Walsh, where we got this blog, that the folks that are against him are trying to have him arrested. God bless you. How can you possibly be an adult, look at a child, a child, and in good faith change their sex? How can you possibly be a, I don't know, drag queen and in good faith make children tuck bucks on you? I mean, why is it so difficult to allow children to be children? What's the end game here? To change the country? You know, people say progress. This isn't progress. This is mutilation. This is going backwards. This is mutilating for profit. That's all this is. It is stunning to me, and it will always be stunning to me as someone who has tried to help kids my entire life, whether it's through basketball programs, whether it's through reading programs, whether it's through getting bikes to kids, whatever. I see this stuff, and I want to punch people. I want to hurt people that are hurting kids. It is astounding to me how evil these people are. It is not astounding to me how evil people will be for money. I mean, we've seen that, but usually it's deranged people doing psychotic things like murder, stealing, robbery, not grooming, not taking an innocent child who may be questioning who she is at 10 years old because she likes to play baseball, and changing her into a boy or a boy because he likes dolls. I mean, how about we let kids grow up and find out? It sickens me, these people. I can't even explain to you. I don't get mad about many things that I absolutely cannot control. But this movement across our country to involve kids in sexual things, grooming things, is sick twisted, disgusted, and people like that woman and others should go to jail, and they should go to jail immediately. They should not be allowed in our society. They just shouldn't. And if you're running some crazy-ass clinic or a a transition program and you want to study it, God bless you. But if you're going to be involved in doing it, you got to go to jail. You're evil. I don't give a damn what anybody tells me. You're pure evil, period. Man. All right, on to something lighter. This is why I wanted to come to OutKick again, because I can discuss these things. All right, there are five teams. South, uh, Southern Cal, Penn State, Washington, and Tennessee. And by the way, we're going to preview the Tennessee-Florida uh, game, one of my favorite college football games, if not my favorite college football game back in the day. We're going to preview it tomorrow with the voice of the volunteers. Uh, Later on today, we're going to have Frank Isola. But I'm sitting here looking at these guys. All five, only five, have covered the spread and have been favorites. There you go. There they are. It's not like teams do this all the time. So let's look at it. All right, SC. Washington, and by the way, Syracuse is a nine-point favorite against Virginia. 
Get that in right now before it goes up. Penn State's 27 and a half point favorite. Do you think this will continue against Central Michigan? Let me two, let me give you two words. Oh hell yeah. Oh hell yeah. Uh, I'll give you another one. Eastern Michigan. I think they just beat Arizona State. Guess what's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. Uh, Eastern Michigan's going to lay an egg against a bad Buffalo team. Mark my words. All right, Tennessee, giving 10 and a half to Florida. You taking that? I don't know. Minnesota is giving two and a half at the very overrated Mel Tucker's Michigan State team. What are you doing with that? I don't know. I will have answers for you, though, later on. Let me see if I got one more for you here. The Penn State one's interesting. How about Rutgers in Iowa? It's still 34. 34 is the over-under. I'm taking the over. Hell, one team might get hot. I don't know. Marshall playing at Troy. Remember Marshall? Remember them? Mm-hmm. Got their brains beat out. And Wisconsin. Wisconsin's giving 19, getting 19 to Ohio State. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, those are your five teams. Those are your five teams that have been favorites, the only five teams that have been favorites and covered. Washington. Washington's given 13 and a half. Michael Penick's a bad boy. Given 13 and a half to a bad Stanford team. I'd take the 13 and a half. I'd give the 13 and a half on that. I would. All right, when we come back, I got Joe Biden. Joe Biden, once again, Jersey Joe, sniffing Joe, don't know where he's at. The most logical coach in football speaks. Kenny, baby, shut up. Shut up. You want a new show? I got a new show. All right, we'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Don't at me, people. Don't at me is the name of the show. Don't at me are the awards that I give out every Thursday. Um, This award I just call damn. Damn. Just damn. This guy is leading the free world. Let's take a look at sniffing Joe Biden. Yuck. Where you going, Joe? Uh, Mr. President, thank you. At the end of such a Jeez. momentous event, the word thank you seems kind of inadequate, but for all the millions whose lives will be saved, for the communities where life will be transformed, thank you. So thank you, President Biden, for your outstanding. All I got is damn. That's the President of the United States. That's the man who is at the forefront. He's at the front door. He is the guy everybody looks to. Across the world as they watch the United States, and there he is. Now, I don't know. Sometimes he seems coherent. Sometimes he doesn't. I don't know what the dosage is, but his wife don't care, man. The worst-dressed woman in the world, Jill Biden, just keeps parading this guy out there, embarrassing himself, and all I've got is damn. I mean, you can't fight it anymore. I mean, people defend it in the mainstream media. The idea of be curious and tell the truth has left the mainstream media a long, long time ago, at least when it comes to folks on the left. But that 
ladies and gentlemen, is our president. That is the man that people told me he got 84 million votes. Okay. You know the story. Pull this. It plays Jingle Bells. And all I've got is damn. Just damn. One of my favorite basketball games, and I've not really gotten into the football game of Bedlam, but one of my one of my favorite basketball games is Bedlam. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. A couple years ago, I was just hanging out at home, and I was watching it, and it was fierce. It was rolling. Now, the football game is obviously a bigger deal. Bedlam, again, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State has been played for years. They've been in the same conference for years. That obviously is changing. Oklahoma and Texas have left. They have going to the SEC. Nobody's really happy about it, and the questions still arise, and they arise to both programs. Are you going to play Bedlam? Of course, Oklahoma. Well, yeah, why would that change? Oklahoma State's like, wait a second here. They get asked by, and I'm going to let Mike Gundy very rationally, very logically tell you what went on, what transpired, how it all came about, and what he thinks about continuing Bendham. This is, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Gundy, the most logical coach in America. Let's hear from Gundy. Uh Uh-oh. We got Gundy? Oh, there's no video here. Oh, I thought we had video. Uh, We should have video. I mean, the interesting thing is what Gundy had to say, which is basically he went logically. He went boom, boom, boom about the points, basically saying these were billion dollars. These were billion dollar discussions that Oklahoma State was not involved in. These were discussions whereby Oklahoma, over the course of months, if not years, made their own deal. And you know what? Gundy is not wrong. Gundy's not wrong even a little bit. I mean, the fact of the matter is, if you are going to, if you are going to say, hey, look, we're leaving, but yet we want to dictate the terms of playing against our rival, if I'm said rival, I go, wait a second here. We're not doing this. Now, it's not out of spite, and maybe ultimately the governor or somebody like that prevails, but the fact of the matter is, uh, no, that's not what we're doing. I'm not doing that even a little bit. I'm not playing. And again, he goes boom, by boom, by boom. He calls it a childish discussion. The first thing is we got to quit talking about it. It's over. And he looks, he goes, that's fair, right? He says, OU officials were in negotiations with the SEC for months and months before anyone in this league or anyone in this conference knew about it. No objections to that, right? He's asking the media. During these multi-billion dollar discussions, I wonder if Bedlam was ever brought up instead of money. Bedlam is history. We all know this. We've known it. Because OU chose to follow Texas and the money to the SEC, it's okay. Is that a fact? So now we're having what I think are childish discussions, and in my opinion, over something that's done. And I would like to make this one last statement, because I have no hard feelings. 
But what's going on now is almost a situation with a husband and a wife or a girlfriend and a boyfriend. When you know you're dead wrong, you try to turn the table and make them think they're wrong. When Oklahoma State has had no part in this, he's ready to move on. I don't blame. We didn't have anything to do with their negotiations with the SEC. We didn't have any choice on choosing to leave the conference. They did. So everyone needs to get over it, move on, and quit trying to turn the tables. What he's saying is that whole gaslighting thing where, you know, they do something wrong and they turn it on you to make you feel like you've done something wrong. I like it. I like it a lot. Let's not turn the tables. Let's just say, hey, look, we owe you chose to follow Texas, take the money, and we're going to the SEC. It's all good, but let's quit talking about it. Let's quit talking about football. That's the way I feel about it. No hard uh, feelings. I like Joe C., but it is what it is. We've got to quit beating around the bush and call it the way it is. There you go. So I don't blame him. I, I, don't, I don't blame him at all. And He's just being logical. Look, you did this. Don't turn it on me. You know, a woman wants a divorce, fine. You can tell me why, but don't turn it on me wanting to divorce or a guy wants a divorce, don't turn it on the woman. I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is, period. Uh, Can Kenny Galladay just shut up? Now, look, I'm not saying that I'm the smartest guy in the world, but are you trying to win or aren't you? Kenny Galladay is a wide receiver with the New York Giants, and the New York Giants are 2-0. So Kenny Galladay threw him a little temper tantrum. He's making $72 million. Kenny Galladay threw a little temper tantrum. They won. He cleaned out his locker while everybody was celebrating. Four-year, $72 million deal, and he's getting paid $18 million. All right? Okay. Last year, he had a procedure. It kept him out. Okay. Kenny Galladay says, we're going to see how it goes. Yeah, we're going to see how it goes. I came here to play. I'm pretty sure they're also paying me to play. I guess they want to see more or get whatever's situated on their end, and I just keep doing what I do as far as coming in each day. It is what it is. It's a business. I'm not here to be friends or coaches. They're just coworkers to me. Okay. All right. Uh, it's a continual competition at receiver, Brian Dable said. I've said it since when? I'm not being a jerk. I've said it since the middle of camp. It hasn't changed. It's going to be a continual competition. And again, whether you're the highest paid, the lowest paid, highest draft pick, undrafted, we're going to go out there and let the guys compete it out. One week doesn't mean that it's going to happen the next week. I think everybody understands what we're trying to do as an organization in terms of getting better, competing for spots, and working as hard as you can. Sterling Shepard said, he's a wide receiver, said it's rare, but coaches always told us that he didn't care who was drafted where. He didn't care who made the money. He's about what he talks about. So Galladay is whining, bitching, moaning that he's not getting to play. I don't agree with it. Yeah, all right. They're 2-0. They haven't been 2-0 since Parcells was there. No, it's not true. They're pretty good with Eli. And this guy, this highly paid guy, I know what he's going to say. I'm a man. You ain't a man. You're cleaning out your locker because things didn't go your way. You're a child. Quit acting like a child. Walk like a man. What do you want me to tell you? Now, this is a personal thing. 
And I love bringing personal things into my shows. I do. There's a guy named Sam Mellinger. Sam Mellinger was a columnist for the Kansas City Royals. And out of the blue, Sam Mellinger for the Kansas City Star, out of the blue, he started ripping me when I was working with Tirico. Now, you got to understand, Mike Tirico and Dan Dockage were the absolute best, the best. Uh, excuse me. I, I had an itch. The <laughs> The best college basketball announcing team in the history of college basketball. Now, you can argue that. I'm just telling you what my bosses at ESPN said. In fact, I thanked them for pairing me with Tariqa. And they're like, no, you've made Tariqa really good. You've made him come outside the box, have more personality, and both Tariqa and I are gone. But this guy, Sam Mellinger, decided to take shots. So I looked into him, and I realized this guy is just that guy, right? Doesn't know much. Acts like he knows much. So what happens? There's a guy named Mike Swanson, Swanee. Swanee, one of the great guys in baseball. I worked with Swanee um, in the Bahamas. Swanee retires. So what is this guy, uh, Drayton Moore? Uh, Dayton Moore. Dayton Moore is uh, the head, the Gazda, the chief of the Royals. So he hires this clown, Sam Ellinger. And I say about Sam Ellinger, look, you can't hire bad people. And I don't know if he's a bad guy personally. I know he was an idiot to me. So what happens? You hire a bad guy. You got bad guy. It, your, your judgment, bad. Guess what happened to Dayton Moore? Dayton Moore got fired. I tried to say. I tried to tell you. I did. I said, be careful who you hire. You know, some guy that all of a sudden rips the greatest announcing team in the history of broadcasting, at least college basketball broadcasting, doesn't have very good judgment. And now you bring him into a position of traveling secretary or media guy, guess what happens? That tells me that your judgment isn't very good in the baseball side of it. It was pretty good. It was really good. And I loved watching the Royals play. I did. But then you start bringing in goofs. You start bringing in fools. And next thing you know, you're fired. You're out. You're done. And I try to tell you. When you bring in guys that are inept in one area, that tells me you're bringing in people that are inept in other areas. And ultimately, what happens? You get the boot. Eh, what are you going to do? Is it fair? A lot of people are asking me this question. Is it fair? Dan is what fair? Life isn't fair. I agree with all of that. But is it fair? Is it fair that a player, Anthony Edwards, who by all accounts is a good player. I mean, Anthony, all you got to do is show up as a draft choice and score a few points, and you're considered great. All right? You're considered, oh, he's the greatest. Oh, he's the next MJ. Okay. All right. And the media will protect you. So Anthony Edwards, who is, kind, you know, I guess he's good. People like him. Kind of a nondescript guy but he scores some points. So this guy decides it's okay, it's all right to put out some homophobic slurs. So he does that. Of course, that's frowned upon, as it should be. So this guy gets fined $40,000. He is making right now $11,067,784. All right, $44.2 million deal, average salary of 11.067. All right, they give him a $40,000 fine for all these slurs, and they're significant slurs. 
why, I guess we hold owners to a higher standard, I guess, a million dollar fine and a year suspension as opposed to a $40,000 fine on an 11 million contract and ant because of anti-gay slurs when all he was doing was watching people on a sidewalk. You know that Seinfeld episode where it's the last episode where Seinfeld and his and the rest, George and Kramer and Elaine, they're all making fun. I think it's Louis Anderson getting carjacked. It's the Good Samaritan Law. They videotaped something happening and made comments. Well, this is what this idiot Anthony uh, Anderson did. Now, he's only 21, and I really don't have a problem with the fine that he got. I, I just asked the question, is it fair? I don't know. A lot of people have been asking me, and I do think you should hold an owner or governor, whatever you want to call the people that own NBA teams, to a higher standard. I do think that a pattern of behavior over the course of years is far more egregious than one viral video. But I do think this, I, I do think that Anthony Edwards should probably have been fined a little more. I mean, if that's what we're going to do, if we're going to monitor every single thing that a person says, every word that a person utters, every post that a person makes, uh, and we're going to do it such that we want to make sure that it doesn't happen again, all right. All right. Oh, that's cool with me. Good. Yay, Ra. But I'm not sure it's fair, but I'm not sure life is fair. But again, if I were Robert Sarver, there is no chance in hell I'm selling that team. Not one. And I don't think anybody is going to agree with me. All right, I got a show for you. I got a show that you're going to like. Write this down. The Terminal List. The ter- not the terminal is, not the mental is, no. The terminal is list. All right? Terminal, meaning dead. List, meaning, well, I got a list. Uh, Christopher Platt, Pratt, whatever the hell his name is, that's him there. He of, remember this, uh, he of office fame has become a stud. He's ripped. He looks a little like me when I pull this jacket down. And he's a commander, was a commander, a gold star, every medal that you could win. I'm not going to tell you what happens. But I am going to tell you it has become a show, a real show. And here's how I define a real show. When Lee and I are done for the day, yesterday it was her birthday, right? Yesterday, I got home a little bit late. I had to do a show from a different place. I get home, work out. She's going to work out, blah, blah, blah. We go to a really nice dinner, Jared, myself, and Lee, and we get home. We sing happy birthday. We've got a cake. We've got candles. We've got gifts. And then at the end of the day, we're going to watch the terminal list. Here's how you know it's a show. We're going to watch one. I go to bed early. We get a glass of wine. We're going to watch the terminal list. We watch one. You want to watch another one? Yeah. I was hitting play, but you know the deal. Uh, We watch another. You want to watch another one? We watch three. 
So instead of going to bed around 9.30, I'm in bed at 11.30. Look at these eyes, people. Look at these eyes. And I got to go down to Bloomington today and get Dr. Jellyfinger. I'm missing my afternoon show because I got to go to the doctor. I can only get in the doctor certain days. I got to go to my cardiologist. I got to get a whole workup. And of course, the glove comes on, the jelly, and pop. <laughs> so I got to be fresh. I got to be spry. And I'm not because the terminal list. Holy smokes, is it a good show? Holy smokes, does it keep you riveted? I know we're all looking for shows, and one of the things that we do in the world that we live in, right, is we all go, hey, have you seen? And that is a conversation among a lot of people. Hey, I just watched this. You got to see this. Have you seen that? And certainly during COVID, it was all the rage. But post-COVID, Barry, really good. The Terminal List, really good. Two different, although both, both guys just kill people and get away with it. Like Barry's just walking around killing everybody and he just gets away with it. We'll see what happens with Christopher Pratt, Platt, whatever the hell his name is. It's pretty good. You'll like it. I promise. All right, we got some football. We got tonight the Browns taking on the Steelers. And don't forget, we got Arkansas and Texas A&M. I feel like, well, Jimbo Fisher every week, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Clemson, Wake Forest, Cincinnati, Indiana. You know I'm putting Indiana there. We will be right back. And Frank Isola, the leading expert in my opinion, it ain't Woj. Woj can drop a Woj bomb. That's great. But when you want to know what's happening, Frank Isola of ESPN and Frank Isola of Sirius XM Radio knows more about the NBA than anybody. I'm going to run my theories by him about not selling, if I'm Robert Sarver, not selling. I'm not selling. Is it fair? What's the, what's the movement here between the punishment of Sarver and maybe Anthony Edwards? What's going on with the Celtics coach? A lot of stuff to get to. Tell your friends. Let's go. I know we were down for the first 20 minutes, but we're back, baby. Let's go. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Yeah, well, uh... Dr. Jellyfinger will be involved today, and I know you guys, you should go get that. Prostate cancer is the most curable cancer, so do me a favor. Go do it. Go get it done, and I always ask the doctor when he's getting ready to, you know, I always go, who'd you rather be right now, me or you? (laughs) Doctor's a friend of mine. He goes, yeah, I'd rather be anywhere but here, either of us, but that's all right. Go get your prostate checked. Seriously, I go every year. And I'm going to miss my afternoon show because the only time I could get in to see my cardiologist, I go for a complete heart checkup and I go for a physical and I go every single year because look, I'm fat. I'm ridiculous. I got to lose weight. I want him to tell me that. And I have got to get my prostate checked because I've had a couple of friends, brothers pass away and you don't need to. Prostate cancer is the most treatable. Let's make damn sure that we get in there and we do that. Will you please, please? If you don't mind, uh, it would be great, please, all right? Uh, Okay, now, let's talk about this weekend in college and professional football. Did you know this? Did you know that last Thursday, Amazon Prime, there were 13 million people watched the Thursday night game on Amazon Prime. We watched the Amazon Prime 
Uh, we wanted to know, you know, streaming, first time, right? First time exclusively on streaming. How would it go? I thought it went well. I thought it went really well. A lot of people, maybe you had problems. I don't know. Maybe you had problems with the streaming. I did not. I, I didn't. Um, you know, uh, so we'll see what happens tonight. But look, I think Herbie and Al Michaels are terrific. I think that the broadcast was top notch, and I'm looking forward uh, to tonight's game. I'm particularly looking forward to this. This is something interesting. When you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, you knew this was going to happen. Unless they got off to this crazy good start, but again, players not plays. How are they really, truly going to get off to a crazy good start based on the players they have? I'm not talking about the quarterback. Najee Harris is terrific, all right? But they don't have like, oh, I don't know. They don't have like a ton of weapons. Enough. But they don't have a ton. So you knew whoever was going to win the quarterback battle, whether it was going to be uh, Pickett or whether it was going to be Mason Rudolph or whether it was going to be the ultimate winner, Mitchell Trubisky. Do you want people to see you, Lee? No. Lee just got done running. Yes. And she brought me a cup of coffee. I did. You love your husband. Yes. Yay. I told him the terminal list, you know, you just last night, like, okay, let's watch another. Yeah, you know I mean, it couldn't be one and done. Addicting. That's her words, not mine. Take it from her. She's smart. I'm dumb. You know. Anyway, uh, tonight's game. One thing I think you're going to see, and I think this is something that you haven't seen. There's been a lot of talk about it. Here's the deal. They got to throw the ball down the field. And I'm talking about Pittsburgh here. And they've been talking about this now, one of two things. Do you do what you talked about? And it's not just like Rob Nikowski on ESPN, or Ninkovich on ESPN. It wasn't just him. No, it was the players themselves. They asked Mitchell Trubisky, what do you got to do? You know what he said? Got to throw the damn ball down the field. Got to give it, got to throw it down the field. All right, you got to throw it down the field. So throw the ball down the field. Look, in the NFL, why do you think the Miami Dolphins are good? The Bears struggling. Why? They won in a quagmire. Okay. The Colts struggling. They don't have wide receivers. Why do you think the Titans are struggling? They don't have wide receivers that can get down the field. This is in rocket science. The old idea of playing inside the hash marks, stupid. Oh, we got a great running game. All right. Here's the dumbest thing I've seen. Bart Scott, if Trubisky struggles, he risks losing the wide receivers in the locker room. Now we got to worry not only of the players to the coach, but now we got to worry of risking the wide receivers in the locker room. NFL players are starting to give me a headache. Uh, NBA players have given me a headache for a long time. College players gave me a headache when I was a college player. Like, I used to give myself a headache. I'm like, holy cow, do I not want to deal with me? But now, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to worry about NFL locker rooms. We've got to worry about the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receivers being lost because their quarterback doesn't throw it down the field. Look, I don't say this very often, but how about Pittsburgh Steeler wide receivers shut the hell up and get open? What? Did I just say that? 
oh, somehow, some way, that's got to be racist. Got to be. Does it not? Has to be. Did you just say shut up and get open? You're not allowed to say that. You can't go that route. Well, I just did. How about you shut the hell up? Don't worry about whether or not uh, your stats are yours. How about you worry about shutting up and getting open? Duh. It seems like a novel approach. You're paid $8 bazillion to do what? Get open. Well, he might lose the locker room. He might lose the wide receiver room. Hey, look. Uh, Joy Bag of Donuts. Did, did, I'm looking here. You got uh, no catches. You, you, and and you, you, did we lose you? Uh, I'm looking here. Uh, did we lose you? Yeah, you've lost me. Okay, goodbye. I mean, it's not exactly a who's who of wide receivers. I mean, with all due respect to Deontay Johnson, should be happy you're in the league. Uh, Chase Claypool, smart guy, Notre Dame guy, should be happy you're in the league. Not exactly like you're the greatest. I mean, you're all right. You're fine. You're good. Yay, Rob. But so everybody is supposed to genuflect to these guys? Yeah, I don't think so. Nah, I don't think so even a little bit. You caught 59 balls last year, 62 the year before. Chase Claypool, and I like Chase Claypool. But the idea that the team could lose the wide receiver room is more idiotic than the guys they put up there every day. Seriously, not one of these guys has ever done jack squat. Nothing. Zero. Zip, let me go to Deontay. Oh, that's pretty good. He had 107 catches last year. Yeah, that's good. Okay. People just say stupid things to get reactions, and I just did it for them. Now, on the other side of things, we all know what happened to the Cleveland Browns. I want El Presidente, Sean Black, I want him to be happy. You're up 13 points. Four, I should be 14, but for whatever the, re, whatever the reason, your kicker, who made a 58-yard field goal a week ago, decided to take a dump in the bed. Don't take a dump in the bed. But that's what the kicker decided to do. So now everybody's got to cover for the kicker. Everybody's got to cover for the defense. Everybody's got to cover for the special teams. Who's everybody? Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb's got to cover for nobody. Nick Chubb's the man. But, but, here's what you got to be able to do if, in fact, you are the Cleveland Browns. Yes, you've got to run the football. Nick Chubb is averaging over 112 yards per game. In fact, he's averaging 114 yards per game. You've got to be able to run the football. It would be nice. I'm just saying it would be nice if somebody other than Amari Cooper could step up. That's all I'm saying. You know, the guy, Joe Koo, the tight end, had a couple moments Last year, he had a flash or two, but he also talked, talked and talked and talked. So what do we got tonight? We got Jacoby Brissett against Mitchell Trubisky. If ever there was a backup versus backup game, this is the one. See, I'm a big fan of Brissett, and I'll tell you why. I'm a softie for this kind of stuff. I'm at a Pacer game a few years ago. I'm walking down 
into the main lobby, getting ready to walk across the street, go to my car, and who do I see walking? Jacoby Brissett. And he couldn't have been cooler to all the people around him. I never go up to anybody. If I know them and they say hello, all right, fine. But I do send back and I watch. I don't videotape like you creepers out there, but I watch. Jacoby Brissett could not have been cooler to every single person that came up to him. And understand this in football, right? In football, it's not like everybody knows exactly who you are because you run around with a bucket on your head. Basketball, we're running around in our underwear. Football, you got a bucket on your head and not everybody knows. But I got to tell you, he was cool to everybody. He wasn't kind of cool. He was engaging. He was present. He looked at people when they spoke to him. He took pictures. I liked it. So I've always been a fan of Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett played in Indy. He was 5-2, should have been 7-0, but Vinatieri couldn't make a couple easy kicks as he was declining. All right. Okay. Well, this line is four. This is an impossible line. And the reason this is an impossible line is because neither you nor I know who's going to play well in this game. We have no idea. Are the Browns really good? Are the Browns really good? I would argue the Browns are pretty good. Are the Browns really good? Browns are up 14 points, two minutes to go. That seems pretty good, no? I think if the Browns play that way, I'll take the Browns. I'll give the four. Are the Steelers any good? I didn't think they were going to be any good from the get-go. They won week one. They, they lost week two against a well-coached, I don't know how good they are, New England Patriots team. So I honestly don't know whether or not either of these teams are any good. So here's what I'm going to do. There's been way too much talk about offense. The over-under is like 38. It's not like 38. It is 38. That's the number I'm taking, and I ain't taking under. I'm going to take the over of 38, and my toes are going to be tapping. That way, if somebody throws an interception, bad quarterback play helps me in certain ways. I got a feeling the Browns are going to win this game. I got a feeling they're going to score at least 28 points. That's my feeling. I do think the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mitchell Trubisky need to have a little sense of urgency, though. My God. All right, Arkansas at Texas A&M this weekend. Here's what I like. This isn't right, all right? So I'm going to... I, 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 I am going to um, decide something. I'm going to decide whether ultimately I'm going to break my code of not wanting to watch coaches suffer or whether I'm going to maintain my stance if I don't want coaches to get fired. Jimbo Fisher would be owed double-digit million dollars if they fired him. He is the coach of Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher is somewhat of an unlikable guy to at least people from the north. Maybe folks in the south like Jimbo Fisher, the coach of Texas A&M. Maybe they do. But Jimbo Fisher's offense stinks. Now, Sam Pittman is an easy guy to like. He's the coach at Arkansas. As the coach at Arkansas, he's a pretty funny guy. He's a really funny guy, actually. He said something like, well, you got to determine what kind of party you're going to. And the way you determine that is what you bring. If you bring beer to a party, you're going to a more laid back party. If you bring booze to a party, let's go. Yeah. We're going to take our shirts off. We're going to go in the pool. We're going to jump in the pond. Yeah, we are. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm telling you. When he said that, I thought to myself, interesting. 
Very, very interesting. So I don't know who I like in this game because, well, frankly, Texas A&M should be good. Texas A&M should be the kind of team that womps on people, but they're not womping on nobody because, well, frankly, their team offensively isn't very good. But I do like, I do like Sam Pittman in Arkansas, and I do like Sam Pittman and Arkansas's offense. I think they're a fun group to watch. This line is only one and a half, so I'm going to take Sam Pittman in one and a half, not as an official bet. And here's the other thing. I don't know what goes on in Texas A&M. The midnight yell, I think, is probably very cool. I do. I think it's probably very cool. But I got to tell you, it seems cultish to me. The whole place seems cultish. I enjoyed it. I did basketball games down there. Kyle Ravitch and I went down there and did a couple games. We did a Kentucky game, and it was great. The spirit of the school is fantastic. But it did seem cultish to me. You know, the woo pig suey to me, that fits. I like it. It's country. But, of course, Arkansas isn't country. Arkansas is corporate. I mean, who runs Arkansas? The Walton family. Well, the Walton family own Walmart. They own everything. Well, I guess Bezos owns everything, but the Walton family owns kind of everything. They own a lot of everything. So it's kind of like unwatchable, not unwatchable, but unlikable against a corporation. Tie goes to Sam Pittman. Actually, I'm changing my bet. There's no way Arkansas is ready to go into College Station and get a win. No, it ain't happening. One and a half don't matter. Take Texas A&M. In fact, I'm going to make that my big bet. Isn't it amazing? Maybe this is why I lose even though I had a great weekend last weekend. Maybe this is why. Wisconsin, Ohio State. Now, let me ask you a question here. Simple question. Would you ever bet against Ohio State in a Big Ten game this year? Remember, Michigan plays Ohio State in Ohio State. So is there any game this year, looking at the Big Ten and the way the Big Ten is played, maybe Penn State at home in a few weeks, maybe that's one, but let's look at the Big Ten. Minnesota's been okay. Michigan State stinks. Michigan's good. I'm going to give Michigan good. You guys can give Michigan whatever you want. I'm saying Michigan is really good. I'm going to say Wisconsin is not. You don't lose at home to Washington State, and you're really good. It's a 17-point spread. Is there anything about any Ohio State game that would lead you to even think about betting against them in the Big Ten? Anything at all? Like, is there even a thought? Watch before you say, the Big Ten is horrendous. I'm watching last week, and I've got two games going, all right? Remember, last year, I believe Northwestern came into Indianapolis to play in the Big Ten championship game. It was either last year, but they've been there, I think, twice. I want you to think about this. I'm watching them play an FBS team, a team with not enough scholarships in Southern Illinois, and Southern Illinois looks more athletic and ultimately wins the game over Northwestern. The other channel, and both of these are on Big Ten Network. There's one right above the other, so I'm flipping back and forth. My Indiana Hoosiers are taking on Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky, great. High scoring, fun belt, all that kind of stuff. I got to tell you, Western Kentucky looks more athletic than Indiana. I'm going back and forth. I'm thinking, my God, these are both teams two years ago. Everybody and their mother was telling you how good Indiana is. We said, hold the phone. Be careful here. 
But I'm watching these two teams that have had at least a little bit of success, not Indiana last year, but the year before. And they don't look as athletic as a team from the Sun Belt, or they don't look as athletic as Southern Illinois. Quick, where's Southern Illinois? Anybody know? Right, Carbondale. Great Halloween party. Just saying. So, they don't look as athletic. They're playing. One of them ultimately wins. The other ultimately loses. And that, to me, ladies and gentlemen, is, oh, I don't know. I don't know. That, to me, speaks to the Big Ten. There is no chance, zero shot, that I am betting against Ohio State at any time this year in a Big Ten game. I'll take the 17 and give it to Wisconsin just be freaking cuz. If for no other reason, just because. Last time Wisconsin was favored over Ohio State was like, I don't know, Big Ten championship game a few years ago. Melvin Gordon was the running back. I've told this story many times. I'm doing a basketball game. Gonzaga, Arizona. My wife's out there. We're having dinner with some friends. My brother texts me, hey, we're going to bet on Wisconsin. I go, you're crazy. Urban is getting points. Bet everything we own on Ohio State. So he does. We doubled everything we owned. It was 52 to nothing. No. The thick ankles of Wisconsin cannot compete with the Dan Dockich-like thoroughbred-type gams of Ohio State. I have a good friend, Rob Lemley, producer, probably producing Greenberg's show right now. He always called the Big Ten the thick ankle league. He ain't wrong. He's not wrong. Big, thick, plotting. And he wasn't really talking about football. He was talking about basketball. And he wasn't wrong there. I've got to start wearing a hat. So Ohio State's going to run past him. Clemson at Wake Forest. Now, I got to tell you something about Wake Forest. I like the coach. Dave Clawson, he was basically fired at Tennessee. He gets rescued. Smart AD at Bowling Green brings him to Bowling Green, and Clawson was even smarter. I am literally the poster child for staying too long in the Mid-American Conference. We won the MAC two years later. We win 25 games. West Virginia gives me the job. I keep it. I leave it. And five years later, I'm fired. I'm the poster child. You get in the Mac, you win, you get the heck out. Danny Hurley, you get out. I don't care, Bobby Hurley, I mean, you get out. Dave Clawson got out. Dave Clawson has a high-scoring offense. Dave Clawson's quarterback, Sam Hartman, is back. This is interesting from this standpoint. Do you trust, do you trust, ladies and gentlemen, Clemson? Do you? I don't. I don't think Clemson's quarterback's any good. And that's really about it. Other than that, I'm sure Clemson is fine. Other than that, I'm sure Clemson's damn good. But this is a big game. You don't get big games with Clemson, particularly in the Atlantic division of the ACC. You just don't. Clemson's 1-0. You know who else is 1-0? The Cuse, baby. That's right. The Cuse, 3-0 overall, 1-0 in the league. And now you've got weight. Wakes won all their games. You know who the highest scoring team is in the Atlantic Coast Conference? I'll give you a hint. It's North Carolina. You know who's second? Wake Forest. Why is North Carolina? Because they threw 63 at App State. Are you kidding me? So Wake Forest is a team that's 21st in the country, and they're playing number five. Okay. 
Here's the deal with that, though. And you got to understand something. You got to understand that if Wake Forest is going to be a real player in the ACC, what do they have to do? They've got to be Clemson. And you also got to understand if Clemson is going to be a real player for not only the ACC, but for the college football championship, they got to do something they haven't done very well, which is throw the football. They beat Liberty. They've scored 48, 41, and 34. And people are a little down on Clemson. That's fine. But now you're playing some Georgia Tech stinks. Furman, come on. Liberty lost Malik Willis. They're not the same. Now both teams, and it's interesting, you don't see it very often. Certainly on that side, you don't see it very often where Clemson is in a bit of a situation where they got to prove it, which is weird. I mean, the coach doesn't have to prove it. He's making $11 million a year. I would assume that Wake Forest is going to be insane. I would assume that Wake Forest's campus is going to be completely out of its mind. Biggest football game there in how long? Don't know. I don't even know when the last big football game was. I don't even know who the last superstar Wake Forest player was, Tim Duncan. I'll give you Tim Duncan. But the truth of the matter is, this place ought to be nuts. If you're a Wake Forest alum, you got to go. I mean, if you're one of those golfers that's playing on the PGA Tour that followed Arnie Palmer to Wake Forest, you got to go. You just got to go. You know, I'll be honest, I don't have any desire to go to an IU football game because it's an hour drive from my house and it takes you three hours to get back. It just does. But if I were a Wake Forest or if Indiana played a game like this, my ass would be down there on Thursday. I'd be doing my show from there on Friday. I'd be dancing on the bar at Nick's on, Sun on Friday night. Yeah, I would. I would. Don't at me about it either. Special when I get going in Knicks. Anyway, lastly, Cincinnati. I didn't even tell these guys I was talking about this game, but the road to the college football playoffs goes through Bloomington, and the nation is going to see it. Why did I close my eyes? Because I don't really believe it. And when I was a kid... When I wanted things to go away, I would close my eyes, pull the covers over my head, and just go like this. I don't really believe the road through the college football playoff runs through Indiana, but Indiana is 3-0. and And for Indiana to be 3-0, and it doesn't happen often, it, it, particularly with one Big Ten win in there. Remember, this is a team that did not win a game last year in the Big Ten. However, I was at the Indiana-Cincinnati game last year, and in the first half, Indiana was playing the breaks off Cincinnati. Remember, where did Cincinnati go? College football playoff. Indiana was playing the breaks off of. And then Michael Penick threw an interception, and somehow, some way, the cheating, scheming, lying, thievering, scandalous referees decided to throw Micah McFadden, our stud linebacker, out of the game for targeting please. Indiana has never been that physical that they could target anybody. Long story short, the game went back and forth. Long story short, without McFadden, ultimately Indiana could not stop Cincinnati. There is no Michael Penix for Indiana this year. There is no Desmond Ritter for Cincinnati this year. It is not in Bloomington, which had a really nice crowd last year for the game. It's in Nippert, where I would assume, based on all the success, uh, you got to show up. Luke Fickle has done an amazing job there. If you are a Cincinnati alum, you got to go. 
Or if you just want good football, you got to go. So all of those things go against Indiana. Indiana is a 17-point dog, and I'm going to take Indiana, and I'm going to put a lot of money on it. Dawkins, you're crazy. The road to the college football playoffs never goes through Indiana. I had a buddy of mine tell me that's how he talks. We make fun of him. He is from southern Indiana. Dawkins, you've always been crazy. It's my neighbor. So I can make fun of him. Don't at me. Anyway, I think Indiana's going to win. I think, did you see how I said that? I think Indiana's going to win. It wasn't like, I think Indiana's going to win, because I would close my eyes. I think Indiana's going to win. Is it still here? Is the monster still here? I was always afraid of monsters and burglars. So anyway, I'm certainly taking the 17. I'm going to be watching the game, and I can't wait. That's right. Cincinnati, you're done. Indiana, the road continues. It's going like this. The road to the college football playoffs, the road to Atlanta, baby, is going to still run through Indiana once the dust settles Sunday, Monday, whenever the hell the polls come out. Speaking of polls, uh, I can't believe this. Uh, We're going to talk to Frank Isola coming up here in a minute. Nobody knows the NBA more than Frank. I don't know if you saw this, but this is what is being said. What is being said is the coach of the Boston Celtics, because of him having an affair with a woman within the Boston Celtics organization, And I'm not even sure defining an affair. I mean, I don't think he's married. There's been conflicting. Does he have a fiancé? She's some beautiful woman in Hollywood. Is it a wife? Is it a fiancé? I think it's a fiancé. Man. Stephen A. Smith, according to Jason Whitlock, is trying to make it look racial. I don't know how it's racial. You simply have an affair. You're not allowed to. And ESPN said 11 minutes ago, breaking. Emi Udoka is likely facing a suspension for the entire season for his role in a consensual relationship with a female staff member. Joe Mazzula, former West Virginia player, by the way, is likely to become Boston's interim head coach. This all seems silly to me. I can't wait to talk to Frank Isola. I've never been one that cares who's stupid who as long as it's consensual, but what do I know? I'm just a schmuck in my basement. We'll talk to the great Frank, the most handsome man on TV, in print media, in the world next. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Look, we've told you when news breaks, we go to the best. When we need something in the college football world, we go to Urban Meyer. When we need something in the NBA, here he is, the (laughs) best. Frank Isola, you hear him every morning. You do. Every morning, NBA radio on Sirius XM. You read them. You watch them. Uh, Nobody knows the NBA. I you and I were, we barely touched on this off air, but this whole thing uh, with Uduka, the coach of the Celtics, I feel like there's got to be something more here, Frank. There, it, it, on the surface, if it's just what it is on the surface, is the guy going to get a year? I know. It's, it's a shocking story. And you know, usually anything like this, these stories don't come out publicly. Now, I have heard stories when you're in that NBA circle, you might hear why a guy wasn't seriously considered for a job with a certain team because with that team, he might have been having an affair with someone that worked in the team, so they've canceled him out, but that doesn't become public. The thing with Ime Adoka, 
Now, could this be a situation where they said it was consensual? And to your point, he's his partner is Neil Long, the actress. Now, they're not married. I don't know where they separated at the time. Was the person that he's alleged to have the affair with? Is this person single? So from that standpoint, they're employees. Do they have to clear that through human resources? Some people have said that as well. But I do think when you have a guy in a position of power, and I think that's why the Celtics uh, have taken this step. But I was, when they're talking about a year suspension, I was shocked by that. I mean, I've never heard anything like that before. And Dan, think about this. So in June, they were up, the Boston Celtics were up 2-1 on the Golden State Warriors, and they had a lead in the fourth quarter. Steph Curry becomes Steph Curry. Golden State wins the next three, but still a great year for the Celtics. They go out, they get Brogdon and Gallinari. Gallinari blows out his knee playing for the Italian national team. Robert Williams, they announced just the other day, is having surgery. And now the head coach who did an unbelievable job, it it sounds like he's not going to be with the team for the entire season. It's hard to believe how quickly things change. You know, one of the things, I think I understand it from the standpoint that you talked about. Like, if somebody's a subordinate, obviously they have to be protected from either real or perceived problems. But what happens, like, is the president... I'm not saying this is who it is, but there are people in the front office that are above the head coach. You see what I'm saying here, Frank? Like, yeah. Like, does that make a difference here? If somebody maybe is above the coach? I think, I think it's the fact that it sounds like both of them are already in a relationship. So again, we know this from every walk of life. Don't people who work together eventually end up getting together and getting married. But I think it's a different situation here when you're talking about the head coach of the team. Again, the extreme, first of all, the extreme would be to fire him, but doesn't it kind of feel like that's what's happening right now by suspending the guy an entire year. You think about some of the things that have happened in every sport, including the NBA for it to reach that level. And from any dealings that I've had with Ime Adoka, and I go back when he was on a 10 day contract with the New York Knicks for crying out loud, when Greg Popovich told Larry Brown, Bring this guy in. You're going to like him. He's a good team guy. I've known him as far back as then. You're not going to find a more mild-mannered, quiet, private person. That's why, for me, this whole thing is pretty shocking. How does this get public? Do you have any sense of this? You you follow this. Yeah, I would have to think, again, we're just speculating here. I doubt the two people involved, they have nothing to gain by it becoming public. So did somebody in the organization see something? Whereas one of the spouses, did it, did it reach that level where they went to the Boston Celtics? And remember this too, Dan. So you have now Neil Long, who is an, an actress of some fame. Remember years ago, she used to date Will Smith. Once you start getting the Hollywood media involved, whether it's TMZ, Variety, you know, Deadline Hollywood, that's a different element here. They're the ones that are really going to start digging around. So I feel bad for all the female employees of the Boston Celtics who are unfairly being linked to this when obviously all but one has nothing to do with it. But I would think a story like this, all those Hollywood publications and television shows, they're now going to descend on this story as well because of the fact that it, you know, on the outside, it involves Ime Adoka's partner, who I believe he has at least one child, which, with, which is, of course, Nia Long. Yeah, it is interesting. You're right, because everybody, and not that anybody's guilty or innocent, but everybody is under suspicion if you're a female in in the Boston Celtics, I guess, front office or anywhere. I didn't even think about that part of it. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, and so I did a three hour radio show today. And of course I do the show with Brian Scalabrini. Brian is the Celtics broadcaster. And today he has to do an event with Grant Williams. So good luck to Brian trying to not address the elephant in the room. But, you know, if you go on social media early this morning, you know, everyone thinks they're an investigator and they're just throwing names and pictures out there of employees with the Boston Celtics. And you feel badly for them. You feel badly for their families. This is when these stories get pretty ugly. Frank, I'm going to switch it up. I've said this now. You know better than I, but I I actually dealt with this in 2008. Calvin Sampson was a coach at Indiana in the middle of the season. I'm his assistant. He and I and his wife kind of deciding whether he should resign, and I told him, don't resign. I mean, because once you resign, it's over. Uh, You don't have a voice anymore. I've said this about Robert Sarver, and you can tell me I'm dead wrong. I've said, look, you're going to face some tough times. New cycles move quick, a year and 10 million. I'm not selling because I don't want to become Donald Sterling where every time somebody makes a reference to something nefarious, your name comes in. If you want to protect your own reputation and own your own team, I got to tell you, I'm not selling, Frank. What is your thought? Does he have to sell? Well, to your point, you just mentioned the news cycle. Less than 12 hours after Robert Sarver made the announcement, the story came out about the Boston Celtics and Ime Adoka, and that's where everyone is focused right now. Here would be my thing. When you listen to the comments that he made last week, I was convinced he was going to fight for his name and his team. And I thought he would do a couple of things. Number one, disappear for a while. You go away for two or three months, nobody hears from you, and then you start the rehab tour. And then eventually he does an interview. Is that going to be with Jeremy Schapp on ESPN? Maybe you get Oprah Winfrey to do an interview. Now, you're not going to change everyone's mind, but you start to show some type of contrition. And then you do have players and coaches on your own team. His general manager, James Jones, Monty Williams, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, all high profile. Those are the most high profile members of the Phoenix Suns organization. And when you read his statement, it sounds like a statement that he would be releasing a year from now. He talked about atonement and trying to ask for forgiveness. Robert Sarver, it's been a week. Can you can you give people a, a chance here to kind of digest everything? That's what made so that leads me to believe either he thought it's a no-win situation. Let me just get my money. I bought the team for four hundred million. I'll get two billion. Or did some was he told something more might come out? It might be better now that you get rid of the team because his statement. If that statement came out a year from now and he tried to do everything he could to kind of rebuild his image make amends. All right. I get it. It's a week after the fact, maybe that's the arrogance of billionaires. They think, well, it's been a week. How come you don't forgive me yet? That part of it was strange. Cause I thought from everything that he said last week, and when it's your name, your reputation, your team, no one's taken my team away. That kind of was his attitude. I was shocked that a week later, this is where we are right now. I, I totally agree. In fact, when it first came out, I said, look, I, there's more to come here. You know, I said that That's, whenever yep. the first deal was. You and I both know, Frank, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I say this about damn near everything because every situation that I have been in, it, there's always a backstory. There's always a backstory, yeah. and there's got to be a backstory to this with Sarver because that statement seems so ridiculous to me after a week. I totally agree with you, and I said so. Yeah. And also look at the statements that were released by Adam Silver, by C.J. McCollum, the president of the Players Association, and also the Phoenix Suns, 
where they all praise Robert Sarver for the decision that he made. And they all use the almost the same exact line. This is what's best for the community and the organization. So clearly that was agreed upon. You do this. We're not going to, uh, you know, you know, kick rocks on you or throw dirt on your grave. We'll, we'll basically say that you're doing the right thing here. But again, also look at this. Who has something to gain by it? So once I heard this story last November, and who knew like where the allegations were going to go, my first thought was someone wants to buy the Phoenix Suns. There's only 30 NBA teams. They're worth a lot of money. The Phoenix Suns, it's, it's great because, A, they're a good team right now. You very rarely see a championship contender up for sale. It's in a great location. That should be a free agent destination. So I'm, I was also thinking something was behind the scenes kind of pushing this along because I, I'll tell you what, Dan, going back years ago, I remember asking people at the league office, even referees, like which owner is the roughest on you guys? And I was surprised when they all said Robert Sauber. And they said he's the kind of guy that calls the league office a lot, complaining about the way games are officiated. He thinks he's being cheated. And there was always this idea that he was a tough customer as, a, as an owner. And he did a lot of things that the NBA wasn't proud about. So I think Adam Silver last week had that press conference. And you know this. The, the way that he wanted to answer questions, he couldn't. What he wanted to say was, do I want the guy out of the league? Yes. Do I need this aggravation? No. I work for the owners. The owners don't want this. They're, they're not pushing me for, to make him sell the team. And guess what? Now, maybe that happened behind the scenes, but it still looked like Robert Sarver, the way it's painted, is that he's the one who's saying, you know what? Forget it. I'm out of here. Dude, you know, what we see, PayPal dropped out as a sponsor. Yeah. Obviously, Draymond Green has been vocal. Players have been vocal. But this guy's yeah. a billionaire. This guy, I can't imagine that a tweet or a podcast is going to sway a guy who's been yeah. through, I don't know, yeah. maybe I give billionaires too much but, credit for the deals that they make and what they got to do to get deals done. You know what I'm saying, but, but Frank? Also Does that have impact on him? I also think, all right, so, and this goes back to why I thought he would stick it out. And like you're mentioning the news cycle, except for the people in Phoenix, after a while, like we have our own problems in life. We forget about Robert Sarver and what happened. Things move on. There's going to be a Super Bowl play. There's going to be a national championship game, college basketball, the World Series. Every, and then, yeah, sure, next uh, September, the story would get regurgitated again, but it probably wouldn't have the same impact. And I agree with you. I think, you know, billionaires, they're arrogant. He's thinking, you're not taking the team away from me. That's why something had to happen in the past week. I get it. PayPal came out and said, we're not going to be the sponsor. Certainly players were outspoken. I thought it was interesting that all the owners kept quiet. I know the players wanted the owners to speak up, but the owners are part of attorney, just like the players are. When Miles Bridges got in the trouble that he got in during the offseason, with the domestic violence, players aren't speaking up on that. But I know this, players aren't for domestic violence. Just like I'm sure a lot of the, most of the owners probably think what Robert Sarver did was completely out of line. But they belong to a fraternity. They're, you know what? I'm not touching that one. That's his franchise. Let the league deal with it. What do you think ultimately happens? He sells, right? I mean, is that, that's where we're headed? <laughs> I said today, maybe it'll be a Kevin Durant situation with the Brooklyn Nets where they pretend they're trying to trade him. And then at the end, they said, we just couldn't get anybody, you know, would meet our demands. <laughs> yeah. Now, this is different. He could say to Jeff Bezos, $5 billion, and Jeff Bezos says, deal. <laughs> then what is he right. going to do? So, and, and you know what? It take, it's a long process. Now, maybe a month from, because let's face it, now 
the Robert Sarver story in a lot of ways does die down. It's less about the league screwed up. They should have gotten rid of him. Robert Sarver shouldn't be in the league. Now the story does kind of quiet down. What happens two, three, four months from now as negotiations are going on? Who's to say he doesn't have a change of mind and say, you know what? On second thought, I don't really like the offers. I don't like the people that I'm selling the team to. I might have second thoughts on this one. You never know. That could happen. Frank, I've had people say this to me, and you're much smarter, and you explain things better than I do, but people are saying, well, wait a second here. Sarver gets a million, or excuse me, gets a year, $10 million fine. You got a guy making $11 million, Anthony Edwards. He's making slurs, only gets $40,000. i have had people say that doesn't seem fair. I, I, I look at it as Sarver has a history of doing these things, and it includes employees. So it really, it shouldn't be yeah. the same, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and by the way, all right, so two things. You're 100% right about Robert Sarver. He's an owner. You're going to hold the, the owners to higher standards, but the players should be held to a standard as well. He did get suspended for a year and fined $10 million. I think everyone is, and I'm not sitting right. here defending the league. Adam Silver is not patting me on the back saying, thank you. There was a punishment. You could disagree with the punishment, but let's at least acknowledge that there was some a, a form of punishment. They did acknowledge that what he did was wrong, independent investigation, the whole thing. In the case of Anthony Edwards, who's a very likable guy, he's a, you know, he's a young knucklehead. He's with a girl in a car. He's trying to impress her. He's running his mouth. Why these guys feel the need to record everything that they do? You know, and he did two things. He, you know, he said the two terrible words, and he's getting fined like he should. But I think it's a good lesson for all the players, especially the younger players who love to post everything on social media. You got to watch yourself. So I think I think the league handled it the right way. What are we going to do? Kick Anthony? You're not kicking Anthony Edwards out of the league. You want to suspend him for a game? I wouldn't I wouldn't have an issue with that, but I think for the most part, both situations were handled correctly. You know, one, one of the things that is interesting is um, I talked to Jalen Smith, Stick Smith, yesterday. Uh, and he's with the Pacers now. He was with the Suns. And I said, you know, what do you think of Sarver and off the air? He's like, you know, I, the guy was great to all of us. You, you know what I mean? I mean, I try to tell people these things don't happen in a bubble. Like, let yeah. me go back to Sarver for a second. It, it, you're around the league. You talk to players all the time. Is it normal or would it be normal for an owner to get in this situation, whatever the situation – to sit down and talk to the leadership of the team one-on-one. -on -one. Talk to a Chris Paul. Talk to a Monty Williams one-on-one. -on -one. It seems like that's how adult men handle things or should yeah. handle things. And I think he. it sounds like he probably did that last November when the story first surfaced. And I think Chris Paul sent out a statement after the punishment came down last week, which I thought was pretty smart. He, he more so recognized the women that it impacted within the organization, right? That's how Chris Paul handled it. And I did hear... You know, on some radio programs, people were criticizing, where's Devin Booker on this? And, you know, where's Monty Williams on the punishment? But to your point, those guys all have individual relationships with Robert Sarver. And in their individual dealings, they, they in most cases, probably like him. He's also given them a lot of money. That doesn't mean they condone the things that he did. But I also think that they're thinking, I'm not going down this road. I'm not going to make a public statement denouncing him, saying that he should be kicked out of the league. In my dealings with him, he's been very pleasant. He's been fair to me. I've benefited financially and career-wise from being in this organization. So I, I think it's unfair to expect James Jones, Monty Williams, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, which, again, those are the four most high-profile guys. Think about a guy like Mikael Bridges, who got traded to the Phoenix Suns. 
and his career has really blown up. He's become a terrific player. They handed him a gigantic contract. You know, he's a young kid. He probably thinks, you know what? I don't want to say something. And then I turn on the TV and everyone's talking about what I said. I think a lot of players would rather, you know, not get involved in things like that. And I don't blame him, Frank. I don't blame him one second. Yeah, well, all right. So the two most powerful guys in the league, even though C.J. McCollum's the president of the Players Association, the two most powerful players are LeBron, who feels free to weigh in on everything. And he knows when he does, half the people agree with him, half the people criticize him. And the other guy's Chris Paul, and they've already weighed in on it. I think other players feel like, you know what, this is above my pay grade. I'm not getting involved in any politics or things like that. I'm not going to take sides. I'm not going to get people angry at me. Now, you could, people could sit back and say, well, that's a coward way of doing it. Remember, though, you're dealing with a lot of young guys who don't feel comfortable in that role. Michael Jordan was always like that. In New York, Derek Jeter was like that. Now the documentary comes out. Derek Jeter was more outspoken in his documentary than he ever was as a player. That's just the way certain players go about handling it. Chris Paul, I don't think, is worried about any type of ramifications. Same thing with LeBron James. Same thing with Draymond Green, who's always been outspoken on certain things. Not every player is like that. I think it's unfair to expect that they all have to be that way. I agree. And, and, you know, again, the vacuum thing drives me nuts because people just see what a headline is. This is a human – there is human interaction. And the NBA, as you well know better, again, better than anybody, this is a long season. So you're on flights together. You're, you're in shoot-arounds. The owner may be there. Hey, how you doing? How's your fan? You don't know. So I, I'm with you to expect everybody I'll, I'll, to speak yeah. on every – go ahead. And I'll give you an example. So I wrote that I wrote a book with Charles Oakley. And of course, Charles Oakley had a famous incident at Madison Square Garden with the owner of the team, Jim Dolan. If you ask LeBron about it, Draymond Green about it, if you asked uh, Kevin Garnett about it, I saw an interview that he did with John McEnroe and they were all upset the way that it was handled. I'm sure every player on the Knicks currently today thinks that that was handled incorrectly by Jim Dolan and by the Knicks. Those same players will tell you, Mr. Dolan's been great to me. He's been nothing but great. He gives us everything we want. So again, it's an example of one particular thing they're certainly not going to be happy about, but in their individual dealings, that's how we all are. You know, things have happened to friends of ours that are terrible. We might be disappointed in that. That doesn't mean we're going to go out and make a statement uh, killing the person. We just don't. That, that's not how human beings react a lot of times, especially when you have a personal relationship with that person. Last thing, uh, I, uh, let me talk the Knicks real quick. Jalen Brunson comes. Obviously, they wanted Donovan Mitchell. What, 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 are, what are the Knicks fans right now? What's the expectations in New York with the Knicks? Well, I think, um, you know, the Knicks also played it up like they were going to get him. Remember Worldwide West, William Wesley, Julius Randle, Allen Houston yeah. showed up at a Utah Jazz-Dallas Maverick playoff game as if it's high school recruiting, and we're going to get this guy to come to our team when he's not even a free agent. He was under contract, so – the Knicks could kind of spin it any way they want. They desperately wanted Donovan Mitchell. I'm somewhat biased when it comes to Jalen Brunson. I've known him for a long time. I know his father really well. Uh, you know, you're talking about a guy that everywhere he's been, he's been a winner. He's a leader. He works hard. I know everyone loves to talk about culture. He will help your culture because he keeps his mouth shut. All he does is go out and play hard, and he's going to make those around him better. So from I get it. It's a lot of money that they gave him, but I thought that was a good pickup by them. 
Frank, perfect timing to have you on today, man. The NBA never sleeps, baby. It's like I, New York and Vegas. It just it just never sleeps. I guess. All right, really quickly. Your Colts, your Pacers, I need to know about that. And by the way, my team where my daughter, my friend's daughter plays at Indiana, the women's soccer team, 2-0-7. They have seven ties. They've yet to give up a goal. Your Indiana Hoosiers, after nine games, you should be all over that story. The Indy... Indiana is a soccer school now. Yeah. Uh, my Pacers, you know, we like Tyrese Halliburton. We like yeah. Mathurin, the young kids. Um, Chad Buchanan, the general manager, said yesterday, I was actually at their golf outing yesterday, said that Miles Turner is going to be the center. So people, Frank, you know this, they at least have hope, right? At least yeah. you got a young group that, you know, and the Colts stink. Look, you get <laughs> shut out by the Jags. You stink. Yeah. <laughs> Frank, come on. 24 I mean, zip, Matt Ryan's your hero. They stink. And you know what happened? And you know what happens too? So many of these games come down to a field goal. So if they get the field goal against that was the Texans in week one, right? Sometimes just that yeah. one kick. Think about how it's changed the Giants season. <laughs> Tennessee missed their kick. Yes. Now the Giants are two and zero, and they get Dallas on Monday night at home. All of a sudden they could be three and zero. Uh, I just ripped Kenny Galladay for whining. They're 2-0, and and that guy's uh, complaining that he doesn't get the ball or he doesn't get the play. You're on the <laughs> Giants. You're 2-0. and Shut up. I know. The Giants haven't been 2-0 and in a long time. Long time. That's what I'm saying. I appreciate you, my friend. Thanks for the time. You're the best. You're awesome. All right, Dan. Thanks a lot. I'll see you. Dylan, you're the man. Uh, that's the great... Frank Isola, baby. Love when he's on. When he's on with Kornheiser or Will Bond, I just watch. I do. That's good stuff. A lot of stuff to talk about today in the NBA. Weird, right, as we head to a, another football weekend. We do have a few minutes here. Hey, Dylan. Hey, Ryan. Give me the woke oh dope of oh, the day, baby. Uh-oh. Do we got no woke dope or did you guys think that I was going to uh, go the whole time with, uh, with the great Frank Isola? Frank Isola is fantastic. No, he really is. Uh, excuse me. We had a little technical difficulties early, but the way we rock and roll, you knew what was going to happen. You knew Ryan and Dylan were going to just overcome it, and we were going to have a masterful show. Uh, all right, here we go. I can't understand how anyone can listen to Trump saying he can declassify anything with his mind and still take that clown seriously. All right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, take him serious. Don't take him serious. Brooklyn Dad Defiant is an interesting guy. He gets a lot of retweets. He says a lot of stupid stuff. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. What can I tell you? But I will tell you this. I will tell you, tonight, I think I'm going to take the Browns and I'm going to give the four. I'm going to base that on they have played well. They got up 13 in the last minute and a half, and uh, I'm going to take them. Also, ladies and gentlemen, if I'm Robert Sarver, there isn't a chance in hell I'm selling that team. There is zero chance. I'm not giving in. The new cycle, I'll pay my $10 million. I'll take my year off. I'll hire good people. I'll learn. I'll talk to who I need to talk to. I'll straighten my act out. I'll get smarter, less arrogant. 
But I'm not selling my team because some people get mad at me. I'm not selling my team. Let me tell you something. Unless, of course, he was getting ready to sell the team anyway. Now, if you're getting ready to sell the team anyway because you want to live life uh, in grand style and not have the burden of everything you do being broadcast or not have the burden of managing people, because clearly you're too arrogant to manage people in a, well, respectful manner over the course of years. If you want to get rid of all that and live as yourself, then fine, sell. But if I'm him, uh uh-uh. There is no pressure applied by Draymond Green or Chris. Nobody. Nobody. Freaking guys don't become billionaires because they're soft. They don't become billionaires because they're afraid. They don't become billionaires because they won't take a chance. They become billionaires because of the opposite of all of those. They're tough. They have absolutely no fear, and they will take chances. So my idea, all right, you want to crush me, crush me. But it's not going to get lessened by being out of the NBA. The crushing isn't going to stop. All you are is going to become like Donald Sterling. You're going to be lumped in with Donald Sterling, and nobody knows whether Donald Sterling is actually done things to rehab his image. All we know that Donald Sterling is a public pariah. Maybe he's the greatest guy in the world to his own people. I do not know. But if Sarver decides, and I hope you're listening, Mr. Sarver, because I know the entire NBA does listen to this show, if you are Robert Sarver, and you care about your legacy, you mustn't sell. Because if you sell, you just get lumped in with all the bad guys that are gone, and you become easy, easy fodder, easy money. Last, last thing. I am going to go get a colonoscopy. I'm going to go get a physical, not a colonoscopy, a, uh, you know, Mr. Jellyfinger. Because I go every year to get my prostate checked. Please do yourself a favor. Men and women should not die from prostate cancer. Men, get in there. Go see your doctor. Get a prostate exam. I'm not doing my afternoon show because it was very difficult to get in. This is the only time I could get into my doctor. And I'm going to be in Bloomington at 1.30 for my appointment. And it includes a full physical prostate exam, and ladies and gentlemen, a stress test for my heart because I'm old, I'm fat, and I want to be around for grandkids. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Dylan, Ryan, great job getting this show back on the air. We will talk to you tomorrow.